Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ball Caps and Bagpipes, a Scottish baseball podcast. I'm John McKellar of the Glasgow Comets. And I'm former president, Jason Durr, Baseball Scotland Hall Baseball of Scotland Hall of Famer, Jason, and now the proprietor of Dugout Classics. Today we're going to talk about Dugout Classics, your new business venture. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think your reasons for doing it are a mixture of hilarious and uh, commendable. <laughs> and we'll, um, <laughs> we'll also have part two of our fantastic interview, uh, which ran almost an hour, with uh, my Comets teammate. Daniel Quinn, obviously anyone who listened last week will have heard the first part and will know already that he's a fantastic storyteller, a great guy and a fantastic player. Um, let's start off with the Dugout Classics. Do you want to um, tell us first off where you got the idea for Dugout Classics and the process that you've kind of gone through um, of opening the store and where we're at now? Well, it just kind of came randomly to me as uh, as, as I'm a stay-at-home dad, and uh, I was looking for some jerseys. And I just couldn't find anything in UK or Europe that I wanted, like a lot of blank jerseys, but that's not really what I'm after. I wanted, you know, old-school players or just any kind of players there. And I found myself, you know, buying stuff and sending it to my brother. Uh, I had picked up a couple of jerseys, and, and I had two different people say, well, you know, have you ever thought about you know upscaling this and 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 doing this on a, uh, a larger scale and and being that guy who can who can sell them and you know after you know I've been probably buying jerseys I don't know six seven years now here and there and I, I just never found anything in Europe so I was like hey you know I, I can be that guy um, I can be the guy that uh, gets the jerseys over here and, and sells them to uh, UK and Europe and and of course I, I ship it worldwide um, yeah so it's been it's been quite a process to go out there and, and try to buy some jerseys at a reasonable price and then turn around and sell them at a reasonable price for people over here. Nice one. Now, I know that the, the uh, one of the things that kind of spurred you to do this was the, the kind of new, the new major league jerseys. This is true. I'm not a big fan of Nike. Um, and uh, I, I like to go and, and keep it old school. I think uh, even the, the la- last couple of years with Majestic and the cool base ones, I think they're just too light. Now, living in Scotland, you know, it never gets above 22 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> so I don't need my jersey to be ultra light, you know. Um, so, you know, I prefer like the old wool polyester heavy ones, kind of like, you know, if I'm, if I'm wearing a jersey, I kind of want to feel like I'm wearing a jersey where, um, you know, I have a couple of the newer ones. And they're just really light. Uh, and I, I imagine... Nike ones are probably just the same, um, and plus it's Nike, which I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not a massive fan of the design of jerseys this year. Obviously, the Nike's, the Nike's, it's been discussed uh, a wee bit. It's kind of been lost among more controversial aspects of this past off season. But the Nike swoosh will be featured, kind of like a football jersey on the front, which for a lot of people, including myself, is kind of blasphemy. Um, I think it looks horrendous on pinstripe jerseys. Uh, for instance, the New York Yankees. Uh, it looked pretty sexy on Garrett Cole in the introductory press conference back in December, <laughs> but um, <laughs> overall, I, I'm not particularly chuffed with it. I think uh, I think that you would agree that it would look better on the sleeve, um, or even on the back of the neck of the jersey, just somewhere that is not as prominent. Um, but it's kind of something that you can understand. It's a way for Major League Baseball to make a ton of money. Uh, I'd imagine Mike are pumping quite a few into this uh, deal um, it just it just they doesn't are. look it doesn't look like a baseball jersey anymore in my opinion so it, it was interesting so um, I, was, I was listening to the, the Super 70s podcast uh, which is an amazing podcast about 
players in, in the 70s from all, all the sports across there. And um, they were interviewing Todd Radom. Now, you probably have never heard of that name before, but he is probably the top sports designer uh, in the world, like logo designer. Like he, he's done like the Angels one. He did the Washington Nationals one. He's done Super Bowls. Uh, and Todd's just uh, a really cool guy. Um, he actually follows the, the Cannons when he was in Edinburgh. I reached out to him. I was trying to meet him for a pint. And and this interview was uh, two years ago that just won the contract. And they're thinking that, you know, when uh, maybe, not, you know, I'm looking two years now, but you're know, saying probably about five years, you can probably expect some crazy uh, Nike jerseys to come out for teams there, kind of like the Oregon Ducks, you know. And, uh, you know, they, and it's funny, you, see, you know, now two years later, you, you see the big swoosh on there. Um, and we'll see what happens in you know another three or four years and see if you start getting some you know crazy uh Diamondbacks jerseys out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, I, I'm just not a fan of where it's going at this point. Uh, what is it going to be like? Uh, are we going to have advertisements across the front of jerseys in the future, um, like we do in football here? Is it going to get that crazy? I, do you think? I think, I think. At some point, it does. I think it, I think you first see it in probably a batting practice jersey. You know, the uh, you know, the New York Yankees sponsored by Mercedes Benz or something like that for BP. Um, but I think you're still a long ways away to see it creep onto uh, a major league jersey. But yeah, I, I can definitely see like like the NBA did. You know, they started with the warm up tops there, and then of course they went from there to the actual jerseys now. Um, uh, as long as they don't end up looking like NASCAR jerseys, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, if you look back at, you know, when you're growing up, you start listening to everything there, and, and you know, pretty much everything's sponsored these days. And, and you know, that's just revenue for the teams there. And, and again, uh, you know, if you're getting all these kind of sponsorships, you should probably be able to afford someone like Mookie Betts on your team then. Yeah, like we discussed last week, uh, the Padres uh, being in on bets and, and things like that. Um, do you think that this Nike deal is going to lead to smaller market teams becoming more competitive, or do you think it's just going to be it's not going to change uh, the competitive balance of the league any? I don't think it will. Uh, I think if anything, uh, Nike maybe does a, a few more uniforms, uh, generates a few more bucks throughout the years, and then you know then then they come retro and people will want them again. But yeah, uh, for the most part, I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, what they're doing. Yeah, I know. I know that previously we, we spoke you kind of mentioned the price of an authentic jersey this year to me and my jaw almost hit the floor. I mean, I, I, inflation's gone up, and I understand that. And then prices are definitely different than the States than they are here. But, you know, when you're asking $450 <laughs> for an authentic jersey, I mean, uh, how many are you really selling there? And, and what are you really getting for that? I think you're maybe getting more athletic cut in that jersey. But, you know... You, you, you can also buy a replica jersey for 140 bucks and go take it to a tailor for 10 bucks, and it's the same thing. This is true, yeah. I mean, you're basically paying for the swoosh, which kind of, it, it really is kind of insulting, I think, and it defeats the purpose. But let's uh, let's get off the Nike swoosh. We, we both kind of hate it um, for quite, I think it's quite understandable for anyone to, to despise it. It's also kind of understandable um, you know, the actual move to, to make the change is understandable from a financial standpoint. Um, certainly with the current Major League Commissioner, it's not surprising, <laughs> but uh, we'll leave that for another time. Uh, let's get back to Dugout Classics. Now, Jason, how many jerseys roughly uh, do you have in stock at the moment? 
Um, oh gosh, I probably have, I know I have over 200 items. So that will either be jerseys, there'll be uh, shirts. I got a couple of hats here and there. Um, uh, a pair of gloves, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I wanted to focus on getting at least two or three jerseys from each team, a couple of cool shirts. Uh, if I can find them, I, I you know, I, I was always researching, um, just cool shirts that you wouldn't see from your fanatics or stuff like that. You, you know, cause we, our options are so limited here in MLB Europe. Um, the shop is, doesn't, isn't that great fanatics. I still don't think it's that great. Um, so I, I really wanted to find kind of more. I wouldn't say obscure, but more of uh, stuff that might be a lot, just local level and, and try to bring it over here and, and let people know that there's a lot of cool stuff out there you just don't know about. Now, the response to the shop has been, I think, absolutely tremendous. Uh, were you anticipating the response to be this great and to take on so much traction so soon? No, not at all. No, I, I thought, Matt, I... I, I I'd launch it. There, you know, be my friends and family who like the page and try to share it in there. Uh, the the response has been fantastic. I think I'm I'm close to like 450 people on Twitter already. I'm, I'm close to 250 on Facebook. Uh, I, I haven't checked Instagram lately, and so uh, it's just nice to see that people are are, are interested to see what's out there. Uh, sales have been great. You know, it's already been better than I expected, and, and you know, I'm just hoping that uh, I can keep bringing stuff that people like. Um, the next goal is to start reaching out to all those companies uh, and see if I can just work directly with them and, and get some more stuff out this way. Now, of the over 200 items you have in stock, are there any that you consider highlights that you maybe will struggle to, to part with? Uh, th th there's two definite things. There's definitely my, my uh, Nolan Ryan 1991 batting practice top by Rawlings. That's actually from the era. So that thing's almost 40 years old and it's in the mint condition. Like I, I was amazed that I could even find one, let alone get it at the price I got it at. Um, the other big one is uh, I have a, a National League 2001 All-Star Game jersey um, that I got that because that was uh, in Seattle and I, I worked at the All-Star Game there. I, I did the Fan Fest and, and worked there for two days. Um, and uh, I don't know if anyone else has any interest in a 19-year-old Mariners All-Star Game jersey, but I have it out there, and I know, you know, that someday there might be someone that might want that, and I think that's when I'm going to struggle to sell, because I'll probably put it up in a frame, and then whatever someone buys it will come down. <laughs> now, um, I wasn't aware that you actually worked at the All-Star Game in 2001. That's very interesting, and I think in the meantime, though, let's, uh, let's go to part two of our interview with Danny Quinn. Let's bring Danny on for part Sweet, two. Sweet, man. This is part two. In part two, he's going to talk more about uh, this coming season and a wee bit of his hip-hop career. Uh, he's quite prominent as a hip-hop artist. So it's a really great chat. It's uh, another 20, 25 minutes. Um, and we'll be back with a close afterwards. So you also hit very well this year. Um, was that just a case of muscle memory, did you think? Or was there anything that you went into the season consciously looking to uh, improve on or adjust? Um you know, when looking back at, you know, your previous time as a player? No, no, I was, John, I'll tell you, I, I was terrible at hitting. I, I, like, a few weeks ago, I managed to go into my parents' house and I found uh, a trophy for a home run. Um, the home run leader of the league, 2006 or five, and I was just like, how, the, how did I ever manage to win something like that? Because I was just terrible at hitting. And my, when I... Um, 
first started batting against fastballs, um, and we used to play South Lanarkshire versus Glasgow. Um, and, you know, there was guys like Xander and Jason. We were all the same sort of age. And there was a guy called Darren that used to pitch, and he pitched really, really hard. And one of my first appearances at the plate, I get drilled in the elbow, and it just soured any state of confidence I had in hitting because any time a pitch would come in the outside, I'd be trying to lean out the way of it when it was six, you know, six inches away from me and stuff like that. Um, so I was, I kind of went into the season thinking that I would strike out a lot and that I would be aiming to bat probably about 200 um, and most of them would be singles. Um, and I think in our third game, we played the cannon. So our first game we played... Um, we played the Galaxy and we won. Uh, yeah. And then we we went on, a, we got a massive score in our second one against the Devils. I think it ended up 20, 21 to 11 or something like that. Um, and everybody was batting. I didn't get a hit. And then we played the Cannons and just by chance, um, well, in my, in my third game, I got a hit off Sam. And that was like, I think it was maybe my second hit from the season, but it was a clean hit. And after that, I just thought, you know, if, if I can hit this guy, I can probably hit the next guy, you know, <laughs> like, and my confidence just swelled. And I think after that, um, I became really, really confident at the plate and I just picked up the ball really well. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot to say about facing the, the better pitchers you face, the better and more comfortable you're going to get at the plate. Um, so I, I was really, really happy with how I'd done at the plate. Um you know, this this season, it really wasn't expected for me. I, I was expecting to walk out there with a hundred, a hundred consecutive strikeouts. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was a great season. It's it's really helped me develop. That's what I feel the biggest part of my game has been is 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 batting really more than anything. So it's funny you mentioned Darren because I know exactly who you're talking with because he was playing when uh, GBA went up in 2008 to play the adults there. So yeah, Darren was like the only pitcher for GBA for, for a while there. Did you not have an infamous run-in with Darren McCulloch as an umpire, Bubba? Uh, we, we did have a, 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 a verbal uh, shouting match. <laughs> I think we covered that on the podcast last season, didn't we? I we, think, I think we, we did cover that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to you, Danny. Um, how are you finding... Uh, or how do you feel that the, the season went overall for the Comets? Were you overall happy for the team's season? Obviously, you won the Centre Fielder Rookie of the Year award at the Awards Bash. You know, I don't think there's much more that you could have done um, to help the efforts. Uh, you were exceptional in centre field and you hit well, as we've covered. Were you overall happy with the, the quality of the team and the record we ended up with? We obviously very narrowly missed out on a Caledonia Cup place. Uh, I think we lost out on the final day of the season. That was when we had our probably worst, uh, the, the worst of our, I think, three collisions in, out, in the outfield last year. <laughs> when uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy. It's kind of, it must have been get, like, getting hit by a train. Because I, I was at full speed and you still caught the ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised that we managed to do that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think there's a lot we can take away from this season. I think, you know, given the, the level of pitching, when you're going up against guys like Luke and like Sam and Kyle went on a really good run, um, it's always going to be really difficult. I felt that we played the game really well. Um, we, I don't know if you know this, John, but as a team, 
I we stole over two hundred bases this year, yeah. um, and it was something that it was something that was really um, drummed in from the start from Geo was let's let's win this and on base running, um, and I feel that was a really good approach. We were very aggressive on the bases. We worked a lot of walks. We got a lot of hits um, with a lot of guys uh, that batted better than I. You know that were you know. Um, just getting on base consistently and obviously Albert took home the, the home run um, crown. So I feel like we'd done a lot that was right. Um, but we did just, we came up against a lot of, of tough competition. I feel like we had a, a really good team morale. Um, all the guys got on really great. And that's, that's something that is infectious is the, the camaraderie when it's going great and everyone's getting on, you know, it's, it just it makes you want to play more. It makes you want to get better and support your teammates and things like that. So I think that there's going to be guys like myself and like Matt and like Craig and Andy and Gordon and these guys that are, you know, been playing just a couple of years or a year um, that are going to continue to develop and the team's going to get better. So I think there is huge positives that we can take away. And I think a lot of the, the results that we got, we really fought tooth and nail for. We we came back, we got a few comeback wins, you know, we, we kept our head above water when it seemed like we were, you know, the game was lost and things like that. So we had a real great team spirit. So there's a lot for me um, to be excited about over the coming season. Absolutely. I think we played some of my most fun baseball that I've had uh, that I've played as a player this year. Um, you know, the only thing I think that comes close to this year's, this past year's squad is would be the original uh, comments in 2014 um, when we had a, we had a really good year in the first year. Um, this year, I like, like, like you've covered the camaraderie, um, the, the hard work, the work rate of the team um, and just the, the quality despite the inexperience it's 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 extraordinary. Um, obviously, how things will go moving forward, no one knows. Um, but what would you say um, the Comets should be looking to do moving forward? And uh, how do you see the, the this current group of people um, progressing next year? I think we, we relied heavily on Albert's arm until we, we nearly snapped it in two, to be honest. I think he pitched almost every every inning for us. So, I think there's definitely spec for us to develop more pitchers. Um, obviously, I, I got a, a few trips to the mound uh, towards the end of the season. Rob done really well. Louis took over for a bit too. Um, but there's just so much guys there that are still learning the game and, and could very easily um, you know, try their hand at developing as pitchers. They've got the, you know, they've got the, the velocity there and they've got an interest in it. So I think... Um, Games for me are always won and lost on on pitching, you know. So I think the the key to having a really successful team is is having you know some depth uh, on the mound. Um, so I, I think that will be a big um, point for us is is looking at who we can get out there, how we can spread the workload um, across different people, how we can keep hitters off balance with different velocities and different pitches and. Um, also giving guys just an opportunity to do it. At the end of the day, it's, it's you know, 
this is a it's a social sport. It's about people having fun and learning the game, and people should be learning how to pitch. They shouldn't be restricted, in my view, to playing five years at second base or playing seven years in centre field. We should sort of be trying to get people interested in different elements of the game, you know. So um, I think for us, um, a lot of guys are going to take time, like myself, to be fully comfortable at the plate and know how to drive pitches all over the all over the field. Um, but the big thing for the Comets, I think, will be looking at who we can get in the mound and how we can diversify the talent we've already got there. Now, uh, obviously, with Gio retiring this past uh, off-season, in what way do you feel that the absence of Gio, uh, who's been such a fixture in the Comets uh, team, both as a player and obviously as coach last year, um, how do you feel that will be felt or do you think that will be a factor? I, I think it definitely will. Gio is someone who is... Um, if you give Gio everything, he'll give you everything back. You know, he'll, he'll stand up for his players. He'll he'll be very vocal if he feels a call doesn't go the right way. Um, I always felt comfortable that if I'd done something on the field that I know I shouldn't have, that Gio would, you know, Gio would be the first person to say brush it off and go on with it. You know, I did. I, I remember there was a catch that I should have made. Um, on the field one day during a competitive game and it was one of the rare times that I, I you know I, I didn't get to the ball or I dropped the ball and he could see I was beating myself up about it and he'd taken himself out the game at this point to give someone else a chance to get in and he shouted at me from the sidelines and he made the motion just to say you know dust it off get the next one and I really appreciated that because I did beat myself up about it if I felt like I was making Albert or whoever was on the mound throw extra pitches that they didn't need to pitch. Um, I think a lot of the guys looked at Gio um, to get things done, to, you know, sort of get some tenacity into them if we, if we felt we were being cowardly at the plate or striking out or things like that. So I think, um, you know, the, the comments relied heavily on him and it's, it's really... It's going to leave a, a hole in the team, obviously, um, that hopefully we'll be able to fill. But I've got nothing but respect and admiration for for what Gio brought to the team. And at the end of the day, what, what he done for me was he put me in all 18 games, you know, um, this year in a rookie season. So the only reason that I was able to, to do the things that I'd done was because he gave me the opportunity to do that. So I was always very thankful to him for that. So I've got a question for you. Do you, do you think Geo should be for- okay? Should, do you think Geo should be forced to come back and manage, and should he do it like full suit and tie, a la Connie Mack or Belichick style to come manage? Yeah, I think when you've got guys with that much experience, and that much knowledge, uh, you know, for the game, uh, and that much experience of seeing guys coming through the ranks and helping them develop, then there should definitely, if they want to help people out and do it, then there should definitely be made an opportunity for them to do it because their skill set and their knowledge is far too valuable when you're trying to grow a sport to leave them, you know, leave them alone and leave them in the outside the periphery of the game. So I think if if he was, you know, willing to come back and manage or he was willing to have some sort of role in just developing um, the people that are coming through the door and getting people excited about the game, then there should be made a space for that. Without doubt. Now, Danny, um, 
looking towards this coming season, how two questions: uh, How is uh, winter training going for you on a personal level? And uh, secondly, to wrap up, uh, do you have any personal goals for the twenty twenty season? Okay, um, so winter training's going really good. Um, actually, I feel like I feel like I'm always the guy in the group chat with the appetite for the game that that you know is great on other guys. So over the winter, what I actually done? I've I've not long moved house, and I've I've been blessed with getting quite a big back garden. Um, and I'm just off reading um, Barry Zito's book Curveball, which I would thoroughly recommend if you've not read it. Um, and he talks about during the off-season building a pitching mound in his back garden. So I went out my way um, during, you know, October to, to now to build a pitching mound in my back garden and just practice through the winter. Um, and I feel that's really helped me with my velocity, which I felt I lost with taking 14 years out. Um, so I really feel comfortable in the speed that I'm throwing at now. Um and doing the winter training and getting back in, it's just great to get back into that routine and work in the fundamentals and, um, you know, enjoy the game again and get to see the guys, you know. It's, it, I was saying to, to my missus, Jenna, that I feel like it's been forever and she feels like it's it's only been a few weeks that I've actually been in the house on a Thursday and Sunday. But for me, it seems like it's been years since I've actually got to play again. So um, I'm really thoroughly enjoying being back. Um, and as for goals um, in 2020, I think just for, for the collective goal, I would like to see the Comets get to the postseason. I would like to see us working some of the issues that we, we maybe experienced last year. Um, for me, if I can go out and play half as much as, as I got to last season and you know stick in centre field and catch a couple of fly balls and people tell me I had a great game because I made two catches, then that, that works perfect for me, you know. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's it, man. I'm just excited to to get back out there, see the guys, um, see who's going to come through, um, it, who's going to be the new additions to the team, and um, get some game time again. Yeah, and hopefully get to the postseason this year. Definitely, man. Definitely. Postseason, I think, after the way last year ended, uh, has to be the goal. Um, we have to try and uh, get into that top four even if we need to sneak in the back door, uh, like we almost did this past year. Um, yeah. I think a postseason and appearance would be nice. Um, now, uh, to move on from baseball to close, uh, I want to discuss another endeavour of yours uh, briefly. You you don't just have an interest in sport. Um, you're also uh, very kind of, you're probably more known uh, for your musical career than you are for baseball. Uh, do you want to quickly talk to us about your rap uh, career and how you got in involved with that um, and how that's going for you yeah I mean thank you career is a very 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 generous word um, <laughs> what I'm doing um, so, um, thank you for that but yeah I started writing um, not long after I started playing baseball so when I was um, 15 years old um, I, I've, just, I've always been infatuated with hip hop music um, you know the, the, I guess um, it's just been one of those things that, that, that struck me from a young age. Um, and I was um, fortunate enough to, to grow up around people who were interested in doing the same thing. So I started writing when I was maybe 
um, 15 years old or so um, and went to college to study uh, sound production and audio, audio engineering. And in doing so, I could get access to a free recording studio anytime I needed. So um, for three years, um, I was just continuously releasing music. Um, and done that rather successfully, you know, one got many experiences for that, got to travel a bit of Europe and things. Um, I was the first Scottish rapper, if you will, to be streamed into Scottish Parliament, which was pretty cool. Well, that's pretty um, cool. Yeah, yeah. So there's been loads of stuff. The the most recent thing that I done got not you know nominated for album of the year, and it was a, a an album that was all around the concept of men's mental health and trying to encourage men um, in my age bracket, essentially, from 18 to, to 45, who are at you know, real risk of mental health issues, try to get them to open up and communicate. And that really allowed me to start doing music workshops, um, which I'd done for the DWP and I'd done for See Me Scotland. And I went into Pullman, um, Young Offenders Institution, and just try to get young men to open up through this um, medium of hip-hop, which is very contemporary, very accessible. Um, seems like it's a very engaging medium to get young people to communicate through. Um, so it's something that I've, I've really enjoyed doing. Um, and it's something that, I, to be honest, since I um, got back into baseball, it's kind of been thrown at the wayside just now um, because I've just been enjoying so much being out in the field. And... Um, the, the contrast between the two is, is quite stark in that when you're writing and when you're producing and when you're doing music, it's a very um, lonesome process to go through because you're sitting internalising your own thoughts, you're often sitting yourself, you're often um, you know, doing it all off your own back. Um, whereas with baseball, what you're getting is you're getting a team activity that's very social where you're linking in with other people and the process and the journey is all, um, you know, formatted in a team so the the contrast for me what i've really taken to this year as just to echo what you said john as a camaraderie is having people around you enjoying the same thing has been really infectious um so yeah if people are interested in in the music side of things and um, they can go on to power cup productions which is a record label in glasgow that i release under or they can check we d w E-E-D, um, uh, on Facebook and there'll be content there. Some of it will be it'll be nonsensical and it won't be to your taste and it's in a thick <laughs> Scottish accent. So many of it will not be audible to, to the untrained ear. But I promise you that one every 30 tracks is tolerable. So yeah, it's it's worth it's worth a look at. So, <laughs> Oh, is, are we going to have a, a Lip Biscuit style uh, rap metal uh, collaboration between you guys? <laughs> I could do that, John. We we could do that. I, I suggest that we get in touch with Paul Convoy and we tell him that we're opening up the the award season for twenty twenty, and just talk, tell him this is this is coming from huge demand and yeah. we can make that happen. Or we and can I'm perform sure during the seventh inning stretch at the the Kent tournament. Sounded <laughs> <laughs> like that. Uh, to that point actually you have worked uh, pretty closely in the past with Becca Starr who I've run into a few times over at the Icebox Arts and Music Centre yeah Becca's a close pal of mine actually I was up recording with her uh, just recently Uh, Mm. Becca and I released an album together 
Um, and to be honest, she does the majority of my recording and my mixing and mastering and engineering because I really don't have a clue about any of that things. I, I just know how to write and speak the words. Uh, and she does all the technical aspects to put it into music. So super talented person um, and really, really lovely, lovely girl. Huge, huge advocate of growing um, music at a grassroots level in Scotland. Absolutely. Uh, completely agree. Thank you very much again for coming on the show, my man. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on, and it's good to finally get a comment on. It's good to finally get a fellow Yankee fan on. Um, so <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to ask uh, the guest, Jason? No, I, I, Danny, you've been a blast. It's been fun uh, finally get a chat to you. I heard all John talked to you up uh, all season long, so it was fun to get a chat. Likewise, man. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's been it's been a pleasure. So that was part two of Danny Quinn's interview with us from this past week. Uh, again, thank you so much, Danny, for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, great guy, great player. Look forward to uh, seeing more of what he can do on the Diamond uh, in 2020. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun to have him on. Um, I, I'm definitely going to try to make one of the games to go watch him play and, and introduce myself and say hello. Now, um, where can the listeners find you on social media? So I'm on Instagram mostly, but you'll find me on Twitter and on Facebook at Bubba on Baseball. And if you're interested in some vintage jerseys, and we do have some modern players there, you can go to dugoutclassics.com. And, of course, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dugout Classics. Now, you mentioned Bubble on Baseball, which is where you have your This Day in Baseball history posts. However, uh, given that we are recording this in advance, along with the first part, um, it was initially recorded as one show. We had to split it into two, so we've kind of had to haphazardly throw together an intro and a close for these, uh, not to break the fourth wall too much or anything. But uh, we don't have uh, This Day in Baseball history today. Um, I think we addressed it last week. You've just kind of been too busy with the uh, kind of getting the store up and running uh, to get to get down, to get onto that. Uh, but uh, certainly, I would encourage people to follow Bubble on Baseball. I follow on I think both Twitter and Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at John Caps Pipes. Uh, give me a follow. I'll give you a follow back, and let's talk about baseball over the course of the year, both Scottish baseball and Yankee baseball, primarily. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, you know it's a, it's always good to get some chat going on Twitter. Like um, you know, please do send us a message. We'll we'll always get back to you, and, and we we get right away. But yeah, we'll definitely get back. We're all, we're always glad that someone stopped in. Indeed, yeah. Last week we got amazing feedback from the Scottish Blue Jays fans Twitter page. So another shout out to those guys, um, and a shout out to the British Baseball Podcast guys, the Two Strike Noise guys, um, and anyone who's involved with uh, baseball in the UK and beyond. Let's. Uh, Let's have a great season, guys, uh, and have fun. Absolutely, and it's spring training time, so you know we're getting that much closer. Yep, to- as this episode is releasing, spring training will have started two days ago. So uh, pitchers and catchers, long since uh, reported, baseball's uh, back finally. It feels like it's been a long off season. It's been a, a very controversial and very. Uh, this has got to be probably the most hectic off season that I've experienced as a baseball fan. You know, in all the years I've watched baseball, it's the only time that baseball has been relevant year-round. Um, I mean, you see that with American football, you see that with basketball, yeah. but this is the first time just in baseball. So I'm curious 
how this plays in the season, if there's more interest in baseball now, is because there's actual there's been news about it pretty much every day. Yeah, that's yeah, some of the scandal and controversy that's occurred over the past winter could end up helping the game because uh, I think Michael Kay actually on his show um he he actually mentioned this. Basically baseball now has a villain. Um and people love watching a villain. Uh, when there's a villain in a sport they, they love to tune in and watch what's gonna happen next. So it's it's gonna be an interesting year ahead. So that's interesting coming from a from a Yeah, I mean <laughs> I think that, that makes it even more interesting, you know, the fact that we are kind of in an uncharted position where we are maybe not gonna be the most hated team in baseball anymore. Um it's gonna be no. a weird feeling. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Um now you mentioned basketball. And we haven't touched on this since uh, we came back for season two last week, but we would be remiss, I think, if we didn't bring up the passing of Kobe Bryant before we uh, close up the show. Um, he obviously passed away recently at the age of 41 in a, a terrible helicopter crash. Um, now, I believe you you grew up a basketball fan yourself, didn't you? I did. I played a lot of basketball growing up. That was probably actually my better sport. Um, how did you feel when you heard the news then of Kobe's passing? You know, it was a shame to hear about Kobe. I, w- I was I really felt out that when it hit to find out his daughter was in there, you know, as a as a father of two small girls, that, that just devastating. Um, you know, I, you know, horrible that he passed away, but that the fact his daughter passed away in the crash as well um, just really got to me. So uh, um, I, I'll be honest, I, I avoided as much information as I could because it just yeah, it, it got me right there, and uh, uh, you know, gave my girls an extra big hug and. and I can understand that and I think if any lesson can be taken from uh, this horrific incident it's that you know tomorrow is never guaranteed Um, you have to treat people with love and compassion uh, where you where you find them and um, yeah it's a sad story but I think that's a valuable lesson that everyone can take from that yeah absolutely so uh, shame that it happened Um, but uh uh, you know, make, make sure you go out and you hug your loved one uh, a little bit tighter for sure, tonight. For sure. Um, let's let's close. Uh, <laughs> well, it's horrible to, to close on such a somber note, but let's close on that. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll hopefully have an interview in place. Uh, if not, we'll we'll try and rustle together something uh, to talk about during spring training. Absolutely, yeah. We're looking forward to talking with to uh, a couple of people we have lined up. They, they definitely said they're interested in getting on there, and it's just making sure that we can find time to get them on. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's one guy in particular that I'm going to be having a, an in-person sit-down interview with for a future show uh, that I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'll have to sort that out. Um, something a wee bit different, not a player, but someone who was involved with the league last year um, to a degree. So it's going to be good to get a new perspective uh, from someone uh, in that interview, hopefully that'll happen in the next week or two. Um, but I'll be working <laughs> some unfortunate shift patterns in the next couple of weeks, so I'll try and fit it in somewhere. We'll figure it out. Is it not, nothing like podcasting at six yep. o'clock? In the <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- uh, next week um, might be the last one for a couple of weeks as well. Um, the reason being that uh, I'm about to become a father, so it might be that they will miss a week, just so the listeners know. Yes, so uh, we're, we're all waiting for uh, the good news to, from coming from your sure. side. Um, let's close on that happy note. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, well, I'll see you uh, next week for another episode, Jason. Absolutely. Yep. Let's do Join it. us, folks. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next time.